So what? That is the question that we're considering as we're looking through the, uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. So what does it mean that Christ has saved us? What does it mean that we have been rescued from our sins? What does it mean that we have the Holy Spirit in our life? What does it mean that God has done all those things for us that Paul has described in these first 11 chapters of, of Romans? And it's good that we think in our hearts and our life that what does it mean in our life to know that Christ has saved us? How should it change us? How should we be different? And in our first part of this series that we had two weeks ago, our so what was that we should give our lives to Jesus. And if we remember, as we talked about giving our lives to Jesus, the the reason for the appeal, the statement of the of the appeal, the evidence of the appeal that Paul give, gave to us was because of the mercies of God, because of God's mercy in our life, that is why we should lay down our lives. And here he kind of gives us what is the appeal for what he's going to tell us today in that it's going to be because of the grace because of the grace or through the grace that God has given him is going to be the appeal to which we will do the next thing. And what the next thing he wants us to do is he wants us to get to know ourselves. Get to know ourselves. And many of you may think in your heart and your life that you know who you are. You know where you come from. You know all the things there is to know about you. And you say, well, if I don't know myself, then who knows me better? But what God wants us to understand this morning is that when we come to Christ Jesus, we become a new creation. And even more importantly than becoming a new creation, that we become who God created us to be from the very, very beginning. And it's quite different than what the world tells us about who we are. And it's quite different than what we may think about ourselves. But this morning we're going to think about of God wanting us to know, get to know ourselves a little bit better. And so let's read together in Romans chapter 12. We'll be considering verses 3 uh, through 8 this morning. So let's read together. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of, of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we... Uh, though many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, having gifts of very, uh, of, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving in the one who teaches in his teaching, in the one who exhorts in his exhortation, in the one who contributes to in generosity, in the one who leads with zeal, in the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
It's funny that his appeal to us is by the grace that was given to me. So he already wants us to draw our mind to the idea of grace. And when we think about the word grace, he wants us to draw our mind to gifts. Because isn't that what grace is? It's the gifts that we have from God. And it's really interesting that we think about the idea of gifts as we are approaching the Christmas season. Because I know that now as Thanksgiving has turned to Christmas, you're beginning to think about what gifts are you graciously going to give to the people who are around you. And so you, like me, are start working out what is the formula, what is the metric that is going to determine what I give to everybody or what you're going to give to specific people and who's going to be on your list And which list are they going to be on? Are they going to be on the good list or like me serving on their 46th year on the naughty list and getting ashes and coal and all those good things? But I think about the matrix. I think about the determinations of how I sort out gifts and how I determine what is it that I'm going to get somebody for Christmas. And The one thing that I think about or the way I start off, okay, what is something that they are lacking? What is something that they need? And then I may think, when I think about that list, I may narrow it down to another standard. What's something that they normally wouldn't spend uh, money on themselves for? What's something that I can get them that maybe they won't, that that they just really don't want to spend their money on? But then after I think about those two, I think about the most uh, critical elements that are are on my list and on my decision-making for gift-giving. Number one one on that is how much money do I have? And uh, thanks to certain people in Washington, I have so much less of that, and that money will go uh, a little less further this year. And then I think about this, what is my relationship to them. And a lot of times that's the most integral part of gift giving to think about what type of relationship that I have with that that person. It determines whether they will get a large gift or whether they will get a small gift, whether I spend a lot of resources on them or whether I will spend a little bit resources on it, whether I will spend a lot of effort into thinking of the gift or whether I will spend little effort to the gift. And the answer that I always come up for getting people for Christmas is this, fruitcake. Okay, okay, hey, man, think think about it, think about it. All right, what's uh, something that somebody else is lacking? It's fruitcake, because the one that they had, they're going to give to somebody else. So they're going to be lacking fruitcake. So they need fruitcake. What's something... What's something that you're not going to spend money on yourself? Fruitcake. Nobody's going to spend money buying fruitcake. We have the same fruitcakes in circulation since when Moses was alive, all right? (laughs) What's something I can afford? Fruitcake. I don't have to buy it. I'll just give you one I got from somebody last year. What is your relationship to me? Well, Jesus teaches me that I should love everybody the same. So I'm getting everybody the same thing, fruitcake. So we think about gifts, 
And the Lord wants us to think about the gifts that God has given us. And he wants us to steer it in our minds because it's really key when we think about who our identity is. Because we are God's creation. Our life is a very gift from God. So we can't talk about our lives. We can't truly know ourselves till we fully understand that we are his creation. And so he tells for us by the grace given to me, he wants us to think about as he thinks about how God has given him the gifts that God has given him, the ability of his calling, his life, his ability to preach, that it's through God's grace that he's even able to speak to them. And he wants to, in the measure of his gift, to teach them to not to think of themselves more highly than they ought. No, we know a lot of people like that who think about themselves more highly than they ought. Those people who are always talking about how great they are. And uh, even when they're talking about someone else, they're always talking about themselves. And they can't even be humble without bragging. These people who think that they are the crown of creation. These people who think they have it all together. These people who think that they don't need to change. These people who think that they are better than everybody else. And he says that I want not want you to think more highly of yourselves, but I want you to think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, I don't want you to think too highly of yourself. I don't want you to think too lowly of yourself, but I want you to have a clear understanding of who you are. I want you to have a clear understanding of what your identity is because in the land of Christendom, in the land of the church, we usually have two groups of people. We have those people who are blessed and highly favored. And then you see them in the morning, they say, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. You couldn't just tell me you was okay? And a lot of times these people who say this, they'll carry it with a certain attitude. And a lot of times they're usually too blessed and too highly favored to talk to anybody else. They're too blessed and highly favored to do any work. They're so blessed and highly favored that they think that they don't need to work, they don't need to put any effort, that they can just ask God for something, and without any effort, without any other energy put into it whatsoever, it's just going to fall in their lap. Why? Because they're blessed and highly favored. And then you have the people who are the wretches. They always think about themselves as wretches because they are wretched sinners saved by grace. And they talk about their wretchedness and they talk about their, their mistakes because they're, they're just wretch and they can never get it together. They can never be perfect because they are just wretched. And they always are chopping themselves down and they take on this identity of wretchedness to themselves. And so they never try to do anything better. They never ask God to change their lives. They're just wretches and they're just happy to be wretches. And they'll just talk about their wretchedness and that'll be good for their life because that is their identity. But God wants us to think this morning about in sober judgment to really take a moment to think about who we are. And there's only one place for us to understand who we truly are, and that is through God Almighty because He is the one who created us. 
And so he says, all right, let's think soberly. Let's just take a moment and think about who it is that we are. Listen to what he says. Um, and listen to what he continues to, uh, to say for us. He says, I want you to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned to him. He said, I want you to think about this in terms of God's grace. I want us to think about this in terms of the measure of God, of the faith that God has given to us. In other words, I want you to think about your identity in terms of grace. In other words, in terms of what God has done for you. And then he tells us, in, uh, in verses 4 and 5, what that looks like. It says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individual members of one another. He says, I want you to understand who you are. I want you to understand that both, that first of all, that you are just like Everybody else, there's a unity, there is a oneness, but there's also a individuality. And because that you are oneness, and it says not only are you one, but you are members of one another. In other words, you are one, but yet you are interconnected. You are independent, not independent, but you are interdependent on one another. In other words, you may be an individual And you may be a whole, but you are all in some way linked together. And you know, this is the way that God had it from the beginning. Because when God created, uh, when God created man, after he created the, uh, the heavens and the earth, and after he gave us the sunlight, and after he gave us the moonlight, and after he gave us all the plants and all the trees and all the animals, he created man and woman. He created us in oneness, but yet he also created us differently. Because I don't know if you've noticed that there are a lot of differences between men and women. And so he created us in oneness, but yet he created us individually. But in that individualness, in that separation of our talents and abilities, he has made us interdependent upon one another. And even in creation, he has given us different abilities. He's given us different strengths. Some are you, some people are good at building houses. Some of you are good about um, working with electricity. Some of you are good at math. Some of you are good teachers. We all have, and some of you are good at farming. And it's all those uh, abilities that come together, that allow the world to function and allow societies to function. So even in God's creation, this is how the works. He created us. We're all God's creations. We're all his people. We're all his creation. But he has created us different, but yet he has created us interdependent upon one another. We need each other. And so even as we are new creatures in Christ, he uses that same same formula, that same pattern that even defined us as in his first creation, but even as his new creation, he creates us the same way. And so we as the church, 
We as God's people, we are one. We are one, but yet we are parts of one another. We are members of one another. We are interdependent upon one another. So we're all the same, but yet we're all individual. And that's what he wants us to understand our identity to be, is that God has created you as an individual. God has created you as different from all of those people who are around you, and some of you a lot more different than others. And even as he's created us differently, he has created us in the body of Christ to be one. And so how does that oneness combine with our individuality? It combines in the fact that he in his own graciousness, he in his own sovereign will has created us to be different so that we are independent upon one another. And that makes, and that makes a difference in how I feel about myself. Because I don't just think about myself that I am special. Because I think about myself as being a creation of God. And that everything I have comes from God's grace. And so that makes a difference in thinking about myself. I can't be too down on myself because God loves me and I am his precious creation. I, as a human being, am the crown of his creation, and I am a child of God saved by grace, and I have received the election to be in his kingdom. So I can't be too down upon myself. I can't think of myself more lowly than anybody else, but I can't think of myself more highly than any other because as smart as I may be, And as talented as I may be, there are some things that I can't do. And so I need you. And that describes and that explains why we put up with each other, doesn't it? It explains why we tolerate some of our quirkiness. It explains why we are gracious in some of our our temperaments because we all realize that even though that we may be individual, we realize that we need each other, but we also realize our oneness as a kingdom of God and that God loves you and he loves me all the same and he saved you and he saved me all the same and we need to learn to love each other and we need to learn to work together Because we're going to be with each other for a long, 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 long time. And I look at you some of this morning, that just scares me. (laughs) And I know you're thinking you're the same. It's like, Lord, don't give me a mansion next to him. I done suffered enough. But he wants us to think about that this morning. He wants us to think about that as our identity, that he has graciously created us as one, but yet individually, but he's also created us to be gifted. We are gifted individuals. Now, gifted, when I was in school, that's where they all sent the smart people. And so when they sent all the, uh, the smart people to gifted, I was still left behind because I was not part of the gifted. 
But the Lord says that he has gifted each and every one of us, as he tells us in verse number six, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Is that each of us that he has created in his image, each of us that he has saved, each of us that he has put in the body of Christ, not only this one here at Pine Grove, not but to think as the universal body of Christ, but he has gifted us. He has given us gifts. And where do these gifts come from? Does it come from our family heritage? No. Does it come from our intellect? No. Does it come from our matter of skills and abilities? No. They come as gifts by the grace of God. In other words, His will. And regardless of what gifts and abilities that He has given to you, they don't come because you deserve them, or they didn't come to me because there was something in me that I didn't deserve it, but God in His own sovereign will chose to give you the gift to which he has given to you. And he has created you, and he has gifted you in the way that is different than anyone else here. And the reason why he did that, I don't know. Why did God create me the way that he created me? Why did he choose to put me here? Why am I here in America rather than over there in Africa? Why am I at this church rather than another church. We can never really fully understand what God wills, but we do understand that everything that we have, every good and perfect gift that we have comes from God, and he does it as he wills. And he said, so I've given you these gifts, and I have portioned them out according to the grace. In other words, according to the way that he wants us to do that. And what's this next thing that he tells us to do? He says, use them. Let us use them. Too many times in the life of the church, you know, God has given us gifts. He's given us all gifts. But very few in the church, very few in the pews really ever flesh those out. Really never understand their potential to be leaders. But they never want to get out that pew and be a leader. They never want to get out that pew and be a servant. They hear God speaking things on their heart, but they never want to do it. Something always draws them back. But what the Lord wants us to understand is that He, through His silent will, has through His grace given you that gift, and He says to you this morning to use it. To use it. And you may not be good at it, all that good at it right now, but if you begin to walk in Christ and to develop in that gift, He'll begin to stoke that fire in your heart and your life, and you will be better. You know, um, there was a preacher one time, and there was this young preacher there in his church, and uh, he was up, he was up there preaching, and of course he was a young preacher, he was real nervous, so he gets up there and he preaches uh, his sermon, and uh, he knew he kind of struggled, so he went down, and there was that uh, the old preacher there talking to him, and uh, the young preacher said, "Well, you know." Uh, they told me in seminary, it's got to be bad 
before it can get good. And the old preacher looked at him and said, well, I got good news. You're halfway there. But we need to allow God to use us. We need to search our hearts to see how God has gifted us. And we now need to allow people in our church to use their gifts and to grow in their gifts. And we need to remember that a lot of times in life, it's got to be bad before it can get good. And there's going to be growing pains, but we should encourage one another as we grow in our gifts. He said, let us use these. Let us use these gifts. And then he begins to list off, not an exhaustive list, but to give us a hint of what these gifts, and he wants us to tell us two things about these gifts. So let's read some of these gifts. It says uh, in the second part of, uh, of, uh, of second two, I mean, uh, verse 6, it says, Having gifts of different uh, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, if the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in his generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. First of all, I want us to understand the nature of all those gifts. Prophecy, teaching, exhortation, service. They all have something in common. These are not self-gratifying gifts, but these are gifts that we use to other people. In other words, we don't serve ourselves. You can't be a servant by serving yourself. No one who serves themselves is thought of as a servant, but someone who serves other people is a servant. And so it's a gift to be used in this realm of faith or to be used to express God to the lost and dying world. And when it talks about generosity, to show the generosity, you show generosity to other people. If prophecy, those are prophecies. Those are messages that are to be shared. And if you have the gift of teaching, then you use that gift of teaching to teach other people. These lists of gifts have in common the fact that they are things to be used for the benefit of others. But we all want the gifts from God that we can use for ourselves. You know, in in Japan, they have, uh, they have this holiday, and it's usually around November uh, or December, and uh, it's, called, uh, it's called Singles Day. I think that's the name of it. And uh, you know what Singles Day is? It's for all the people who are single, all the people who don't have family. You just go to the mall and buy yourself a gift because nobody else is going to give a gift for you. And too many times, that's what we want God to give. We want to have Singles Day. We want God to give us a gift for us. We want a gift for us to use. We want a gift that we can just have in ourselves. We'll ask God, give us the gift of prosperity. We'll ask God to bless our businesses and bless our homes and bless our bank accounts because we want to use those things for ourselves. But God has given us gifts to be used for one another. And so the gifts we use are to be shared in the body. 
in the totality of his faith. Our individual gifts be used in the totality of the body because we are independent upon one another. And when we don't use our gifts, we are lacking and we struggle because we're missing, we're missing something. But also he tells us the attitude to which we should use those gifts. If you want to give, then you do it cheerfully. If you have it service, do it with the right attitude. You know, if you're going to, uh, you know, teach, teach it with, with zeal. He wants us to do it not begrudgingly, but he wants us to have the right attitude, knowing that we are making a trip, contribute, contribution to the kingdom of God. We're making a contribution to this family that we have here, and we're making a contribution, and we're making a benefit, and we're doing something great for the church and for the body as a whole. But most importantly, when we use these gifts, we do it with zeal, and we do it with passion, and we do it with gratefulness, and we do it with cheer because it's when we're using the gifts that God has blessed us with for the benefit of all in the family of God. It's when we feel most alive. And why is that when we feel most alive? Because that is what God created us to be. He created us as his creation to worship him. And so when we worship and serve God, we feel most alive because that is what we were created to be. When we worship and serve the church, we feel most alive because that is that's the new creation who we were created to be. It's not going to be found in this world. It's not going to be found in a lot of wealth. It's not going to be found in a lot of friends. It's not going to be found in a lot of titles. But when you're going to feel the most alive is when you're worshiping and serving the Lord. Because that's what you were created to do. That is who you are. Just like a hammer feels most alive when it's hammering nails. Just like, you know, the smoker feels most alive when it's out there smoking. When, uh, when your car feels most alive when it's going down the interstate because that's what it was created to be. When we serve the Lord, when we use the gifts that he has given us, that's when we feel most alive. And we have that feeling not only when things are going great, but even when sometimes things are at the darkest, when people don't want to listen to you, when people give you negativity, or when you've done worn yourself out, even as you feel that emotional or that physical tiredness, deep inside, your heart just beams and you feel alive because you are doing what you were created to do. God, through his grace, has given us so many gifts. And our God gives us the gifts, the gifts of the things to which we are lacking. And he gives us the gifts that we couldn't get for ourselves. 
And God gives us the gifts out of his abundant resources. There is no lack of his resources. He is able to make all grace abound to us so that having all sufficiency in all things, in all times, we may abound in God's work. And most importantly, he gives us our gifts because of the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. Because we are his new creation, through his love and his grace, he gives each and every one of us not only the gift of salvation, not only the gift of eternal life, but spiritual gifts, talent gifts that he has given each and every one of us to use in his kingdom. Get to know yourself. Get to know yourself as the one that God created individually and uniquely to be used in the wholeness of the body of God. And let's remember to be thankful for one another because we all need each other. How great it is, God's plan of creation. How great it is, God's plan of salvation. How great it is, God's plan for the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, and we just thank you for all the gifts that you have given us. Through your abundant grace, Lord, things that we did not deserve, Lord, you have given us. And Lord, we're thankful this morning for the grace and for salvation and for the forgiveness of our sins and for eternal life. And if there's anyone here this morning that has not received that gift, Lord, that they realize it's theirs for the taking this morning. But Lord, for the rest of us, we think in our hearts, as what other gifts have you blessed us with? And are we using them for ourselves? Are we using them for you? Lord, let us understand who we are, that we were people created, created to worship you and to serve you by giving and using our gifts for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.